Hey friend, it's 10 a.m., which means it's 3 p.m., which means it's 11 p.m., which means it's 9 a.m., which means it's 7 a.m., and it's anytime, anywhere, all the time, just like always, and uh, good morning to you. So, I do not like Miami. Do not like Miami at all, and that doesn't change depending on what time of day, what time of week, or what time of year it is. I do not like Miami. Why don't I like Miami, you might ask? Well, I have a little wheel right here that I can spin. I don't actually have a wheel. I was going to buy one because I thought that would have been kind of funny as a gag, but don't have a wheel. But I have a whole wheel here that I could spin of reasons I don't like Miami. For example, Dana, Dance Party, Sam, Gatsby, Check Ride Failure, and of course, on top of everything else, the Miami Dolphins. Who likes the freaking Dolphins? The Dolphins suck. Screw the Dolphins, talking about this whole only undefeated season. <laughs> that was 40 years ago, and there were less games in regulation. The Patriots won more games consecutively in 2007, not including preseason, than the stupid undefeated Dolphins. Alright, but anyways, that was just a little taste of the fact that I could do a whole episode on why I don't like Miami. If I make it to episode 305, which will be sometime next year, we'll do an episode on the 305. Pitbull, I'm coming for you. Dale. Anyway, no, we're not doing that today, but that is an option, just so you know. Another thing I was going to talk about was Spy Family, because there's a new episode today. Anya, peanuts, waku wak. You can't do that, because it's not out yet, and I didn't get to watch it yet. We love Anya, though. Little, little, little peanut-eating, spy-obsessed, uh, pengy-obsessed, just absolute ball of energy. Anyways, uh, legend has it, Anya is my younger sister. No, not, <laughs> not happening. We're not going there. So instead, we're going to talk about something that it is now one week later. I'm going to bring back up again my little trip to the Bahamas in the King Air. So... A lot of people have told me they want to hear me talking about what it's actually like to fly a plane. And I've had a couple of my flight instructors and, and other co-pilots from back in the day, you know, reach out to me like, I should talk about some aviation stuff. So I'm going to do a little bit of that today. I'm going to indulge a little bit in, you know, what is supposed to be the end-all be-all for me. And yet you guys have heard almost nothing about. So... Well, the first thing, or actually, you heard yesterday me complaining about people saying, I can fly a plane because I did it in GTA. <laughs> no, you can't because that's not how planes work. Uh, I had a coworker at Wawa. I was training him so well. I said, yo, Steve, what are the four forces that act on a plane in flight? Weight, lift, thrust, drag. He knew them. He didn't know what they meant, but he knew those were the words, and I'm proud of him. Uh, <laughs> so then I also always get told a lot, oh, you're just a glorified bus driver. <sighs> I will say that the King Air 100 handles exactly like a bus. You know, flying a Skyhawk is like driving a Corvette. This thing is like a freaking bus. You go to turn it, and it's just, it feels like you're taking all day to turn. You have all this gravity pulling on you because it's a heavy plane, and it's obviously going really fast to generate enough lift to stay in the air, and it is a heavy plane. It's also, it's hard to maneuver. These planes are easier to fly. Once you get up to bigger planes as a pilot, they get easier to fly because of automation and autopilot and, and, uh, they just react more slowly. And so the flip side of that is they are, they're really stable, but 
the problem is they're really hard to disturb, which means you have to... I was told you gotta bank the king air 40 degrees to get it to turn. And like, that is standard at the commercial level, because of course, at this point, only commercial pilots are gonna be flying a king air. But it just really puts into perspective the fact that you really have to be ahead of the aircraft, you have to plan what you're going to do, and you have to do it with intent. And also, being a commercial pilot, you have to be smooth. It can't be jerky, it can't be can't be half-butted, you know, you get, you have to be serious, you have to be professional, you have to do a lot of stuff, and it's, that was kind of a little bit of a shock for me, because we're going 300 miles an hour in a plane weighing 11,000 pounds at 11,000 feet, and we're just, and I'm sitting there trying to stay ahead of this plane, and I'm so far behind this plane, because I've never flown a turbine aircraft before, I've never flown a plane more than four seats, I barely have time in a plane with two engines, and that plane was only 200 horsepower. This one was 1430. It's a huge plane. It's like a it's like a giant school bus. I was telling my coworkers about this. This plane is nuts, and it really puts into perspective how much learning I've done, but how much I still have to do. But it was awesome. It was an absolute treat. Like I said already, and I, I just, I'm trying to describe for you guys what it's like. It, it really is just like driving a school bus that can lean because it is heavy and it is fast and you just and you have to be paying attention to all the gauges all the dials still making your radio calls checking your map watching your keeping your scan going you're watching your uh, artificial horizon watching your attitude watching your airspeed moving back and forth always with the horizon at the center you know paying attention to everything your checklist your flow and everything really complex plane and it was I really do hope I get to do that again because it is a so always a good learning experience when you're not just doing lazy, you know, sunny day, middle of the day, empty traffic pattern loops in a Skyhawk just flying in a circle over and over, doing a touch and go and calling that learning or experience. That's not experience. Getting outside of your comfort zone is experience, and that's what flying a King Air did. Moving on from that, I want to talk about another plane that I like and bring up another little story. Kind of one of my last weeks at Riva, when I was a lead dispatcher, for those of you that don't know, talking with one of my pilots about what kind of aircraft we should get for Riva if we upgrade the fleet. And we kind of transitioned away from that to private piston type planes a little bit. And we're talking about a plane that I really like because, so Riva, the company, uses the Learjet. And one of the Learjets they operate is the Learjet 35, which is based on the Swiss P 16 fighter that was scrapped uh, right after World War II. And Bill Lear bought the designs and made Lear. And so the original Learjets had a lot of military-type application uh, in the way they handled their climb performance, the giant fuel jettison ports, the drag parachute that can come out. But above all, one thing we absolutely love, and I love to this day, is tip tanks. They extend the range of an aircraft by allowing you to store additional fuel outboard uh, of the wings at the very edge in they are tanks on the tip and not the wing doesn't come to a point instead it bulges out to like a cylinder because it's holding fuel uh it's beautiful i i don't know why it just i really like the look of it anyways uh there is a general aviation aircraft i'm saying uh too much but there's a general aviation aircraft that can be outfitted with tip tanks it's a multi-engine aircraft piston driven aircraft so it's not as cool as the king air it's not turbocharged although it can be it's not turbined at all really but it's the piper pa 31 i don't know the 
designation, the iCow designation, but it's a Piper Twin Comanche. Piper Twin Comanche with tip tanks. It looks like a baby Learjet. Insert picture here. I don't have a picture because it's a podcast, but if you Google Piper Twin Comanche with tip tanks, it looks like a baby Learjet 35. It's so cute. Anyways, uh, talking about this with the pilots, and I was like, this plane has a range of seven hours. At the cruise speed that it does, you can go, I kid you not, from South Florida, where I am, up to Indiana, the middle of Indiana, with, with no problem. The plane has a seven-hour range, so even taking into account your required reserves and being smart and pretty decent headwind and taxi takeoff and all the stuff you do in your flight planning, <coughs> plane can do seven hours. The pilots are like, bro, you'd have to pee to get out and pee and stretch your legs before you ran out of fuel. Like, I want to do a seven-hour flight. It's no problem. We'll just go in a bottle or something. I don't know. I was being stupid. But a seven-hour endurance is no small feat. I mean, the Cessna Skyhawk has only six hours, and that's without reserves. Like, that's without taking into account what you need to have in reserve. And again, this is a plane that has two engines burning fuel, not just one. And it can fly farther, faster, and longer. It's just, I love that plane. I want to buy one one of these days. I don't know. Something I would just wanted to point out. We're already, wow, I had a lot of more stuff to talk about, and we're just going to not have to have it today. So, uh, this is going to be a plane episode, I guess. While we're on the subject of planes, can I talk really quickly about an issue that I have at Wawa? Not an issue I have with Wawa, while I was doing this correctly. I just want to say that there. I'm not complaining about my job. Unfortunately, that means I am having to complain about people, but... I have a, a legal backing for this, so I want to talk about tobacco sales, right? And how it is against the law to not card people that look young because tobacco is a restricted product that you can't purchase if you're under 21, and how tobacco is a uh, thing that is price regulated. Uh, I was trying to think of the words there, and I can't sell it for less than the price that it's listed as. That's also against the law. And I could pull up the laws for you and all that and show you it is against the law, but we're not doing that because it doesn't matter. You got to take my word for this right now. It's against the, you, and obviously you can see that it's against the law to sell to someone underage or who appears underage. So my job as a cashier is if you look underage, I need your ID. If you're buying a single cigar, then you need the whole price that it costs. No, you can't be short a couple cents when it's something that costs a dollar. Uh, now here's the thing I want to point out. I'm not a complete jerk. Somebody's short on food, then I, I let them go. I understand life happens, but you don't need tobacco to live. First of all, you knew what you were coming in to do and it, it's illegal. Same thing with the people that come in and don't have their ID. Oh, I don't have my ID. Okay. Uh, where's the part where I asked you? Oh wait, I didn't. I can't sell this to you. I have a picture. I need a physical ID. These are things that happen all the time every night. Why am I complaining about this? People know this already. Because, you know, and they, they'll, they, because they always say to me, well, the other cashier does it. Generally speaking, the other cashier doesn't have as much to lose as I do. And that's what I'm bringing up here. I said it ties into aviation. Yeah, there's the Florida statutes and how the company itself can get a fine. We can lose the license to sell tobacco and yada, yada. And you can get a fine as a cashier. That's at the local level. Then there's a whole federal part uh, when you're a pilot. We follow something called the Code of Federal Reg Regulations, just Title 14, which is Aerospace and Aeronautics, which aviation falls under. 
14 CFR 61.15, yes, I have this memorized this point, uh, 61.15 states, not necessarily verbatim, but I'll get you the idea, is that any infraction that you get convicted for, for the manufacturer, sale, distribution, transportation, whatever, of narcotics, depressants, and stimulants, which tobacco falls under, these categories, these items, any infraction that you get a conviction for, so basically, in layman's terms, uh, and you notice sale was in there, any conviction on sale of tobacco, notice all those key words there, sale of tobacco, that's in my line of work, any conviction for doing it incorrectly, like I just told you, these things being against the law, are grounds for revocation of any held certificate, i.e., they take away your pilot's license, and grounds for denial for a new rating, uh, new certificate, for up to one year after the conviction. Meaning not only is me letting you not have an ID, or and me not carding you, or me letting you underpay for cigarettes, tobacco, whatever, not only is that against the law and get me fined personally, can also take away a license I spent well over $50,000 to obtain, and bar me from taking steps forward in my career for a year. It's not going to happen. Yeah, the other cashier does it, then go to them, or go to another store. If my manager wants to sell it to you, after if you, if you have an argument with me and my manager wants to do it, that's fine. They're probably not a pilot. I'm not going to lose my certificate by doing something stupid in a different job. That's, that's not the kind of risk I'm willing to take, and aviation is about risk management. Now, I know a lot of people will come up and be like, well, you know, it's very unlikely. Yeah, I know it's unlikely, but that doesn't mean impossible. And I've worked too hard for too long and spent too much money on my career to lose it because somebody else didn't want to do their societal duties. Like, who even leaves their house without an ID if you're a real adult? That's my hot take for the day. I can't believe that I talked your ear off about that, and I apologize. But why does this sound like every angry Twitter feed? That's pretty much what I just did here to you. So, <laughs> well... I have a whole separate list of things I was going to do today, and uh, they will have to be tomorrow, I guess. We have a whole thing for tomorrow now. Or, and hear me out, you can, we can do just one more thing. The Great Water Debate. This also happened at Wawa, and that's why I'm bringing it up now. Uh, Aquafina, Dasani, no. They are disgusting. Yes, I'm moving away from aviation for this part because we need to, we need some water. We need to chill. We need to relax. Let's take a drink of water together. So what kind did you drink? Hopefully not Aquafina or Dasani because they're disgusting. No, we don't do that around here. Somebody from New York came in and was like, we like Poland Springs. What even is that? Ha! I don't know what, no, I'm just kidding. I know what it is. So... I, personally, am a big fan of the Brita filter, and yeah, rather than bottles of water, because it's cheaper to replace, and it tastes fine, and I love it. Uh, Cheryl is a fan of the Zero filter, which I think is just a rip-off of Brita, and not as good, and Cheryl is, this is the hill she's willing to die on for that. We fight over it all the time. I want to know from you guys, I guess this is the poll of the day here, but... What water do you drink, if at all? Because I, yeah, I imagine somebody responding like I do. I don't drink water. If you do drink water, that's the poll of the day for you guys. What kind of water do you drink? Aquafina, Dasani, Zephyr Hills, Poland Springs, some of the bougie ones like Waikiki, Essentia. You drink a Brita. You drink tap. You drink 
lake water with a life straw? That's a consideration. Uh, Till next time, stay hydrated, my friends. Bye.